0: Welcome to The Kitchen Table, a conversation about faith, music, and culture. Join Shine.fm's ministry director, Brian McIntyre-Utter, and his son, Jake, around the table for this week's chat. Welcome to The Kitchen Table. I'm Brian. And I'm Jake. And of course, we are father and son, and we share across The Kitchen Table every week. So glad you're tuning in this evening or whenever you're listening to this on demand. We do appreciate you uh, tuning in. This is the premise of the program. I'm father, Jake is son, Jake's in college. And so when Jake was leaving for college uh, over a year ago now, I decided to uh, talk to him about continuing. Faith conversations, which have been conversations we've had as he's grown up, because I think it's an important part, a vital role of a parent is to disciple their own children. And so in doing that, we come up with the idea of this show. That way we continue to have conversations every week and we talk about faith issues. But then we decided, hey, let's do something more because we both like music. So we created a segment, which you'll hear a little bit later in the program, called Music Matters. And in Music Matters... Music Matters is the segment where we... Both talk about music. Growing up,
1: dad really influenced music into my life. So we both are very passionate for music. I pick a song of the week. Dad picks a new song of the week because he's got the insider scoop because he works in radio and it's not fair. Sorry. Um, but then dad brings an oldie but goldie, what we like to call. Dad has always really influenced his music into my life. And so we just wanted to continue that. And so he takes a song from his youth and college days or any day. Young adult days. Young adult days. Pre-kid days. And brings it onto the show. And then after Music Matters, we jump into the segment we like to call Culture Shock, which is just a plethora of We keep saying
0: that word, but I don't even know what that means. A plethora is a wide variety of things. You learn something new every day, kids. There you go just a wide variety of things that have to do with culture it could be an actor an actress a sports figure a music artist and just how they are talking about faith issues and so we like to bring those up and just celebrate them all right so the faith conversation to today and I tell you what I've been struggling with this one all week and I just think it's vitally important to talk about it a couple of precursors to this faith conversation one is the reason we do this is of course parenting That's the bottom line of this show. We want to to have faith conversations with kids, our our children. We want you to do that as parents as well. And uh, I read, actually, a friend of mine sent me this quote that said, you cannot raise your children the way your parents raised you because your parents raised you for a world that no longer exists. And I thought, wow. Another quote that came to me this week, uh, many people think it was Dietrich Bonhoeffer, but it wasn't. It was actually Edmund Burke who said, all that is necessary for the triumph of evil is that good people do nothing. I did something this week that I've never done before. I wrote my state senator, sent her an email because uh, she has a vote coming up that I want her to vote no to that I'm afraid she's going to vote yes to because she was a co-sponsor of another bill that was passed this week and this week. And if you want to title this program, and I, I hate just up, up front, I hate politics. I can't stand politics. I can't stand talking about politics. I don't share political stuff on my social media platforms. I just don't think it is good for a Christian witness just to dive into politics. And so I don't want this to be a political discussion. But the fact of the matter is certain things are happening right now that demand us speaking up about them. Yeah. Three things happen. Now for the folks that are in Michigan and Indiana, Shine.fm is based out of Illinois. The state of Illinois has done three things this week. Two finalized. One has a final vote to go. Three things. The first thing is on Tuesday, the Senate passed legislation that would legalize recreational marijuana. Now I know it's already a thing in Michigan. Yesterday, the house passed it. Now it goes to the governor. The governor's already says he's going to sign it. I can't believe it. I have a friend in Colorado, he's a pastor in Colorado. Colorado did that. He says the the homeless population in Colorado has skyrocketed Mm. because you can get free weed there. You know, you can come there and get weed, easy access. It's crazy. Another thing that uh, they also passed this week is a comprehensive gambling expansion bill. More casinos, more gambling across the state of Illinois. And the last thing, and this is just, this one is, this is the reason I wrote my state senator. SB 25 is the bill, and the House of Representatives passed basically full expansion of abortion rights. You can abort a child, clear up to their due date without a problem, according to the House. Now it goes to the Senate. They're going to be voting on it. Governor's already says he'll sign it. This is all in one week. Yeah recreational marijuana now let me just tell you my youngest son is on an autism spectrum he takes oil that's derived from hemp plant okay there are medicinal purposes for it i get that recreational marijuana is completely different it's completely different they just do it because they want to tax it they want the tax dollars but the amount of money that we have to pay out in the long run of the social problems because of the drug wipes out the tax dollars and they will never tell you that gambling again destroys lives and now abortion up to nine months i'm a little heated i know i am I was sorry. like you need to calm down but this all happened this I know. week and so the title of this program if you want to put a title in it is simply what planet do i live on as a follower of jesus christ the world is headed in the completely opposite direction of us who are following the example of christ in our lives and as christians followers of christ i don't know about you but i am emotionally and physically exhausted by it all yeah. and, and you probably are too So I want to dive into this. I found some resources that I want to kind of pull out based upon what has happened. Okay. I'm not talking about politics anymore. The fact of the matter is, and Christ says this in scripture, the world will hate you. They hated Jesus. They crucified him as followers of Christ. They will hate us. Now here in the U S when it comes to persecution, we have it easy. You know, the country was founded on biblical principles. We have it easy. It is quickly changing in many states in the United States. They've drawn a line in the sand. You see what's happening in Georgia. You see what's happening in Alabama. They have drawn a line in the sand. And you have certain states like Illinois that they're on the other side of the line. And for us that are not on that side of the line that live in that state, we're just up in arms. We don't know what to do with ourselves. Yeah. Because this is not what Christ intended for humanity. So I found uh, some resources. First thing I want to talk about is um, why the world is going to hate you when you were a Christian. Being a Christian today can be polarizing for people. From the very beginning of the Christian movement, of Jesus's movement, of his disciples going out and sharing about Jesus, there has been persecution. They were arrested. You look at the disciples, how many of them were crucified themselves. They were threatened, they were beaten, they were tortured, they were put to death. Paul spent years in prison. Now, we might not experience this as followers of Christ today on this same level as the historic Christians or fellow believers around the world today. I think we mentioned uh, last week, the church today, there's more persecution against Christians today in the world than ever in history. So sometimes Christians are disliked through no fault of their own. And other times we bring it on ourselves. So I wanna look at some areas on different sides. It's no fault of our own and we bring it on ourselves. The first thing is our moral integrity annoys people. Yeah. So there's a story of a kid who uh, on the playground never said a curse word in elementary school. Grew up in a Christian home. He believed it was deeply wrong to swear. So some of the other students heard about this and they made it their mission at school to get him to curse. They tried everything. They cursed more and more around him. They insulted him, they insulted his mother. They even offered to bribe him with money or snacks if he would just say one curse word and he never did. I wish I had the same kind of integrity that kid had. Yeah. He didn't waver in what he believed and for some reason that annoyed the other kids. Maybe it made him feel guilty. When he wouldn't sink to their level maybe they just thought he was being ridiculous whatever the case they were annoyed by the strength of this kid's conviction well this is what happens with believers today strong beliefs and a strong commitment to live by those beliefs elicit a strong response i don't cut any bones about it i am for life i am for removal of substances that alter your mind don't legalize them so because of our moral integrity we annoy people
1: I don't understand how we annoy them, you know? We live in such a negative
0: world, so I don't understand why people want more negativity. I think it's the guilt factor. They, they live angrily. They want us angry as well. And they want us just to mess up just as much as them. And honestly, we mess up a lot. We're not perfect. But when we don't and we take the higher moral ground, it's a guilt factor. Yeah. That's, that's what that annoyance comes from. A bad reason the world may hate you, you're judgmental. We are guilty of being judgmental. Many Christians tend to think that they're better than other people because they've experienced a measure of transformation. We live good Christian lives. And we can become arrogant about our conviction. And guess what? Others are going to look down on us because of that. People sense the arrogance and they don't like it. I think the more we realize as followers of Christ, we are imperfect and we fail. We strive every day to be more and more like Jesus, but we can easily slip into that arrogance. and that can lend itself to judgmentalism. Yeah. Guess what? They're gonna hate us for that. Am I judging someone who uh, is totally for recreational marijuana? Am I judging someone who has had six abortions and thinks it's perfectly fine? You know what? I don't know. It grieves me deeply within my soul, grieves me that they've gone through that and they think it's okay. I don't wanna judge them. I want to love them. I want to show them a better way. It's hard because
1: I've I haven't grown up like you. I've grown up kind of in this. My whole life has had this debate. I mean, this abortion, recreational marijuana.
0: These have always been issues. For yeah, you.
1: I, I, it's just common, and so now we're getting like the solution, or like
0: I don't know if it's a solution.
1: Not I think the, it's, no, it's I coming. Solution. It's
0: coming to the boiling point. It, yeah,
1: it's coming to like, like all right. What side are we going to? The line's been drawn in the sand. And that's the thing, like, are we going to have, like, another south and north? You know what I mean?
0: A cultural war? Yeah. Those that follow Christ and those that follow the world? I don't know. I read things all the time that say, we are so poised right now for another great awakening of the power of God. I don't know. I don't know. That's my prayer. A good reason that they're going to hate you. Your contentment and confidence will make people uneasy. We as followers of Christ ought to be the most inwardly peaceful people on the planet. Paul says in Philippians 4, Not that I am speaking of being in need, for I have learned in whatever situation I am to be content. I know how to be brought low, and I know how to abound. In any and every circumstance, I have learned the secret of facing plenty and hunger, abundance and need. I can do all things through Him who strengthens me. We put our trust and faith in God. And we have an unshakable confidence that takes root in our heart. And when that happens, it begins to seep out of us. And that's when people notice. And some people are going to question whether it's real or not in you. They're also going to wonder if you're just clueless about the problems of the world. Certain people are going to grow frustrated with you because they just can't figure out what makes you tick. You're different. Your confidence makes them insecure. Your contentment makes them envious and confused. And sometimes people lash out at you because they don't like what they're seeing in themselves. Again, it goes back to that guilt factor. Yeah,
1: This is just really hard because tomorrow I leave to go out to my first camp for ministry teams and I'm going out into the world and showing the light of Jesus to these children at camp. Right. But we have to go to Walmarts go to restaurants, go to stores, go to public areas where our Olivet Nazarene University is on our bus, right? Right. And so it's just, with all of this happening now, it's just scary. Yeah.
0: Bad reason that people are going to hate you as a follower of Christ. You're unrelatable. I think that's false. Is it? How do you mean we're unrelatable? Like you said, you have to go out to restaurants, you have to go out to Walmart and whatnot. Many people put themselves inside of the Christian bubble. They cut themselves off. Oh, Christians. Yes. Christians are unrelatable. We have a tendency to be weird. Think about this. We have our own lingo, words we use that they don't.
1: Yeah, Christianese. We have
0: our own music, what you hear on Shine. We have our own movies now. Hollywood's realized that the Christian subculture is a marketplace. Yeah. And that isolates us from the rest of the world. So the longer we stay inside of our, you've heard the phrase, holy huddles the more bizarre we become to the unbelievers around us. And it's quite common for followers of Jesus to not have many, if any, close relationships with nonbelievers. true? Yeah. To a certain measure, we should be weird. We talk about this on this program a lot, but the things that should be noticeably weird about us should be things like our unshakable hope, mm-hmm. our undying faith, and our selfless love. Because guess what? For, for those non-believers out there who are in our, who are our neighbors- maybe the students in our class, people we work with, for them to come to love us, they have to know us. We have to learn to relate to them on their terms and invite them into our lives. Read Paul. Man, how do you think Paul was as a missionary? We need to break down the barriers and give people an opportunity to see who Jesus really is. Another good reason that they're going to hate us, we stand up for the weak and the vulnerable. That's why we believe in life. Yeah. We are doing the work of Jesus. And in today's culture standing for the rights of the unborn children may lead to a large portion of the population despising you try as you might to state your position lovingly and logically certain people will never listen until God changes their heart so what we must do we have to learn to respond graciously to the hateful things that are said about us yeah a bad reason they're gonna hate us I'm going from good to bad good to bad he says we act hatefully standing up for what is good and true in society is noble but shouting, insulting, and holding up signs with graphic images of abortion or slurs against the LGBTQ plus community is distasteful. It's downright hateful. Yeah. We ought to disagree with the unbelieving world where we feel compelled by scripture and conscience. And in some cases we should disagree very strongly and unequivocally. And that's what this whole program started off today. I disagree with those three things that were passed this week, but the message that per- permeate every disagreement is simple. I love you, even though I think you're deeply wrong. Without love, we're no better than those who act hatefully towards us. We can't say we're being persecuted for the cause of Christ when we ourselves are standing in hate. Jesus did not come full of hate. He came full of grace and truth. And that's the line we must walk. Another reason, and a good reason, why the world is going to hate us. We love God too much. Read the book of Daniel. He was a government official. He had influence. And the other officials in that empire could not stand how much God seemed to bless him in everything he did. So guess what? They decided they were going to conspire to bring him down. Here's what they came up with. Daniel 6, 4 through 5. At this, they tried to find grounds for charges against Daniel and his conduct of government affairs, but they were unable to do so, so they could find no corruption in him because he was trustworthy and neither corrupt nor negligent. Finally, these men said, we will never find any basis for charges against this man, Daniel. It has something to do with the law of his God. The only thing they could think of using against Daniel was his devotion to God. There was no other way they could bring him down. May the same be said of us. We don't want to cause any unnecessary stumbling blocks to the good news of Jesus. We talked about that last week with Pastor Tim. Get out of the way of people coming to know God. The only complaint that they could legitimately say against us could be this that we love our God more than someone else can understand. We live counterculturally as followers of Christ. Do you believe that? Yeah. I have a question. Sure.
1: Back to the what you said about Christians being unrelatable. Yeah. I've heard so many diff- like different things. So I've heard we're not of to live of this world, but we are to be with in like, the world. In the world. But not so, of the world. Yes. So what is you probably don't know the direct answer, but like how do we find the balance between living for God but living in the world? Because the
0: balance is gonna be different from each individual. For example, I, I have a friend who was an alcoholic, came to know Christ, and he felt like it was his job to go back into the bar and start witnessing to his friends. Yeah. Guess what happened? Fell back in. Fell back into it. So it's going to be different from everybody, but we can find, let's face it. I've grown up in the church since kindergarten. I don't have a lot of, like I have a lot of friends that don't follow the beliefs of Jesus Christ. True. Are they close friends? No. Do I have a lot of close friends that are unbelievers? No. Do I want more friends? Yes. How do I do that? How do I do that? And that's the thing. Like You've got to get into circles. If you work in a Christian institution or a Christian organization, it's tough. Yeah. And that's
1: like, I mean, for our denomination, I know that it's the topic of alcohol is becoming a different, it's thoughts of changing in the church handbook. Right. And I understand that alcoholism is a real thing and that it's a problem. I think if we have this close group knit of like mentors and like to keep us accountable. Right. Because I know like in Germany, they have churches in bars right? because that's culturally acceptable. So like, as you said, it's hard to get into the circles of non-believers because we're not allowed to participate in drinking. And so when you go to a bar and you're not
0: drinking, you just kind of stand out. I've been in situations like that. I know. If I stand out, guess what? I'm a little weird. I know. There are other ways to do it. And like I said, each person has to find the balance in their own life when it comes to this. And what God is asking you to do, you do. Build relationships. Your kids are in sports, build relationships there. You want to go hang out at Walmart, build relationships there. If it's having coffee every morning in McDonald's and just chatting up the people that are also having coffee at McDonald's every morning, build the relationships there. Yeah many Christians present the gospel to non-believers using a strategy that emulates the secular world they adopt trends they stop styles behaviors to repackage biblical truths to fit into the cultural norms now this isn't all bad and it's sometimes necessary for the advancement of the gospel but cultural accommodation can become so idolized that Christianity loses what is unique about us so here hmm. are five things that I want to point out. These are virtues that we have as followers of Christ that, quite honestly, are radically counterculture. And you're probably not thinking what, I, what I'm thinking here. First one is patience hmm. Romans 8 25. If we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. The world is obsessed today with real time data, the news instantaneously, viral momentum, constant movement. Being patient is completely counterculture, and it's all about trusting God and accepting the fact that some things are beyond our control. That is counterculture today, but that is something we can teach. The second thing is meekness. We live in a noisy culture that rewards those who are the loudest, most flamboyant and noticeable. Things go viral. Rants, arguments, yelling, splashy disruptiveness are the new norm. The Christian message has been co-opted by arguing factions fighting to become the most powerful, influential, and visible, but through this process they prove themselves to be an ordinary and mediocre variation of the world around them. Sensationalism is normal, but as followers of Christ, it's meekness. Being gentle and quiet within a frenzied civilization that's quick to judge, accuse, worry, and destroy allows us to center ourselves upon God. Meekness proves itself by working and serving without seeking personal recognition while glorifying God. Another uh, thing we talked about on this program, it's another one of these counterculture virtues, is humility. Yeah. The word hope. Relationships fail. Communities have hurt. Institutions have betrayed. Organizations have manipulated. Governments have disappointed. Religion has damaged. It's quite honestly hard not to be cynical and pessimistic. But for those who have an attitude of hope, Inspired by Jesus, there is a sense of meaning and purpose and optimism toward life. This hope, despite all the chaos in our ever changing world around us, is anchored in Christ and it allows us to navigate through life even though it's filled with uncertainty. Another counterculture virtue that we possess and we can use to our benefit is faith. Our universe is complex, it's filled with unlimited perspectives, so it's hard to believe in anything today. Everyone questions everything. It becomes less common for people to hold passionate convictions about anything, any idea, any philosophy, anything. So, faith doesn't mean there's an absence of doubt, mystery, or complexity, but it allows us to have confidence in something, a relationship with someone. To invest your trust and hope in any one thing is notable enough, but to have faith in an unseen, unquantifiable, supernatural God is one of the most counterculture things imaginable the reason that we feel pressure as Christians is because we are in the midst of a spiritual battle like I said the line has been drawn yeah. Jesus once said that the gates of hell will not prevail against the church we often take comfort in this statement as we imagine ourselves hunkered down surviving this demonic onslaught but this isn't the image Jesus is painting when Jesus speaks about the gates of hell not prevailing the image is not of protection but of conquest the church is on a mission not only to survive the darkness of this world, but to cast it out entirely. The kingdom of darkness will not prevail against the kingdom that Jesus brings. The kingdom of light and life will come and destroy darkness and death. This is our mission. And we can expect we're going to ruffle feathers along the way. But take heart in this. Our victory is sure. God is good. And the love of Jesus is far more powerful than hatred ever could be.
1: How we take these next steps with dealing with all of these is going to play a crucial role in the future of this country, of this, this world. Because if we react in hatred, we're yeah. just proving them right.
0: Right, exactly.
1: I think if we react with love and open arms and be there for when people fall because of all of these negative things that are happening, the church really needs to step up right now. And as Christians, we need to step up individually.
0: And that wraps up our faith discussion. It's time now for Music Matters. It's a pretty hefty uh, discussion, so let's get into something a little lighter, (laughs) shall we say. Uh, Music Matters. This is where we bring music because we love music and we share new music together. I've got a brand new song. I love this song. When I first heard it, amazing I heard it over a year ago when he was hanging out with us at one of our uh, staff retreats Austin French fairly new artist, got a couple songs out got a brand new song coming out and it's called why God Mm. he's gonna share a little bit about the song and then we'll hear a clip from it
2: the heart behind my song why God started in a season in my life I was on my knees screaming out those words for myself and I remember feeling like it wasn't allowed Or like it made me a bad Christian, but but God actually taught me something through my three-year-old little boy who's in the why daddy stage. He asked me all these questions about anything and everything, and he doesn't always get my answers. But what he does get is that he can sit in his daddy's lap and ask me anything, and I want every single question, and I'll love him no matter what. So why do we treat God like he doesn't want our questions? I believe that asking why God doesn't make us a bad Christian. Maybe it just makes us a kid who needs our dad, and that's okay. So I wrote this song to remind you and to remind myself that the why God season in your life and in my life is exactly why we need God in our life right here and right now. So I pray this song gives you permission to feel that and to bring those questions that you've been scared to ask to the God who's not scared of anything. He loves you, even in the why God.
1: Yeah, it's good. I remember you were telling me about him during that staff meeting.
0: He's just a great guy. He's the real deal.
1: He's Really good. So my song, I'm actually throwing Dad a Curveball. I'm not doing the song that I picked. Okay. In the middle of our faith topic, a song really came to my head. The song is called Flood the Earth, and it's by Jesus Culture with Katie Torwalt. One of the lyrics in the song is push back the dark. And then later it says, flood the earth with your love. So I think that really ties along in with our faith discussion because... There's so much darkness in the world that's happening right now. And we just need Jesus' love to flood the earth right now. So here's a snippet of Flood the Earth by Jesus Culture and Katie Torwall.
0: Great song. Love it. Yeah, I really like it. All right, it's time now to uh, go back in time with our oldie but goldie. So our oldie but goldie this week is from a father-son group. Yo, yo. Didn't know existed, did you? No, I did. Did you? Who? Oh, 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 I don't know the band. I just know that there's father-son groups sometimes. All right. Well, this is a father-son duo. Aaron Jeffrey. They use their first names. Their last name is Benward. But Aaron Jeffrey, they had some hits in the mid-90s so this is actually the number four song from nineteen ninety-five. Four years before I was born. There you go. Aaron Jeffrey. The song is called Promise Me. The turns
1: to flame, promise me you'll call my name. Promise me.
2: Promise me.
1: That just makes me want to start a father-son duo right now. Not gonna happen. Let's do it. Come on, that'll be funny. <laughs> Not gonna happen. Well, that wraps up Music Matters, and now moving into Culture Shock.
0: Okay, in Culture Shock, we uh, look at things from culture. I actually found an article, and I'm surprised you haven't found it yet, because I know you're a big fan of this band, King's Kaleidoscope. King's Gate. They've got a, a new album out called Zeal. It's their fifth studio album. We actually have shared some of their music here on uh, the kitchen table. And so um, I, I, there's an interview that happened with the, uh, the lead singer, and it's talking about deconstructing our faith that happens a lot, especially young people transitioning from the shirt tail relationship they were on with their parents to their own relationship. They're deconstructing their faith. And that means it's a, it's a process. They're maturing to rediscover who Jesus is and what he means in their life. So at that point, what happens is they question everything. Yeah. You agree with that? Yeah. King's Kaleidoscope did the same thing. They questioned everything in their relationship with God they wrote this new album zeal based upon the path not back but out of that deconstruction ism yeah. and what they w- wanted more than anything and this is the problem a lot of times when youth will deconstruct their faith they walk away from it entirely yeah with king's kaleidoscope they actually experienced their childlike faith and the simplicity of belief that they possessed when they were kids they had to rediscover their identity as someone with zeal that's why their new album is called zeal yeah the album sort of has an arc where there's this feeling of loss and unsatisfied at the beginning but the ending tell me if this is true because you probably have heard the whole album oh yeah i have comes back to the simplest sunday school song you can ever sing it does jesus loves me yeah i I use this song as one of
1: my songs of the week right because i loved that so much i king's kaleidoscope is one of the really only bands that i i'm a very lyrical person I love music, but lyrics are... i oh, my word. When words are put to music, there's more power behind it than just regular words. There's no way you can just... Uh, I'm going to go on a rant. Or like a, a soapbox. <laughs> but King's Kaleidoscope has very complex music. They, do. they have orchestras. They have horn lines. They have... Literally trying to play drums to a King's Kaleidoscope song is really hard. Right. But then they do this whole... Just a simple... Jesus loves me. It's just so powerful because it's stripped. It's childlike
0: faith. And I love it. It's just so refreshing. This is what they say. I want us to be able to trust in the goodness of Jesus and have that be enough for all the questions we won't ever have answered and for all the doubts we'll continue to fight for the rest of our lives. Believing Jesus is who he says he is and that he loves us is the whole point Hmm. of their new record. Yeah. He also goes on to say, church is a mess. We have to pull it apart and shift it. We can't lose the most important thing in that process because our problems with the church are not our problems with Jesus. He's hopeful for the future of the church though. You wanna know why? He says, it's Jesus's church. It's his kingdom. He's going to keep building it. And it's not up to us. We have always screwed it up and we always have screwed it up and he's still building it. So we have to tear down a lot of the junk. Don't throw your faith away as you go and figure out how we need to reinvent church in America. Mm. So I'm going to have to go listen to this full album. Oh, it's so good. Based on that interview, I was really curious. So good. And I think if uh, you have children, parents, that are late teens, early 20s, they're going to go through that process where they're going to question things. They've got to do this faith journey themselves. So maybe pick up a copy of that album. You agree? Any of their music. Okay. I I love Kings. Kings Kaleidoscope. That wraps up culture shock and also brings a close to this edition of the kitchen table. Uh, Again, hopefully you you don't feel like we went on a major rant today. I got a little passionate there at the beginning. Sorry. Again, it's important. Yeah. As parents, it's important as a country, it's important. You're going to have to pick which side of the line. The line has been drawn and it's being drawn more and more every day. So uh, if you want to continue the discussion, you can uh, check us out on the shine.fm Facebook page. We have the shine.fm kitchen table group that you can be a part of. Uh, Go on there and rant to me, telling me that I'm crazy and then I need to chill out or calm down. It's perfectly okay. I I agree with that. (laughs) So um, you can find us there. Thank you so much for tuning in. We appreciate you tuning in each and every week. Again, make sure you subscribe to the Shine.fm podcast channel because you can get other podcasts that are done by the staff here at Shine.fm that are really making an impact in people's lives. Thanks so much for tuning in. Stay salty, y'all. Thanks for listening to The Kitchen Table on the Shine.fm podcast network from Olivet Nazarene University. Be sure to subscribe for more content delivered each week on faith, music, and culture.